Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Good morning, everybody. How are you today? This side over here is doing better. That's all I'm saying. This side's doing better than all the rest of you, but we're so glad you're here. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors around here at LifePoint. We're so, so glad you're here, if you're, especially if you're a guest with us today, if this is your first time or your first time in a long time, welcome home, welcome back. Thank you so much uh, for being with us here. Literally, there's just like nothing that makes us happier than when people uh, come and check us out for the first time, and so thank you if that's you. Um, we got stuff for you. We want to say hello to you at the end. We have a, a VIP uh, area out there. We got something to ha- put in your hand just in, to say thanks for being with us, and uh, it's great. If you're, if, you're, uh, if you're watching online today, welcome uh, welcome all of you who are watching online literally all over the country, sometimes around the world. If you're listening to this on a podcast, can we give them a big shout out, all the folks on the podcast? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're so glad you're here. Hey, let me reiterate one thing real quick. 21 Days of Prayer is going on. This is day eight of that. We started it last Sunday, and all through the week this week, there's been so many people who've come from six to seven or for part of that time, whatever part they could. And I just want to encourage you, if you've never done something like that before, or if you're like, I don't know if I have time, I don't know if I can get up that early, I don't know if I, you know, whatever, uh, just check it out. Um, just check it out one time, and I promise you, or I, I feel like anyways, that your day will go better. You might be a little sleepier throughout the day, I don't know. I have been a couple times, but I'm just telling you, I'm, I, I feel encouraged, I feel uplifted, I feel strengthened, just by partnering with uh, my friends uh, all across the, the, the community of our church who've been here, and then on Saturday as well. Man, thank you so much for doing that. Um, if this is your first time here, or if you didn't get one of these last week, this is a booklet that we give out. Uh, it's out at guest services there. It's free. You can just pick one up on your way out. And it's got some incredible guides to how to pray, uh, some prayers that you can just kind of pray along with. I've been using it every day during our 21 days of prayer, and it's just enriched my prayer time. And so just pick one of those up and hang on to it, and uh, we give them out um, in January as well. January and August is 21 days. January, we fast as well, uh, along with the, the 21 days of prayer. That's why I like August better. Come on, y'all, because I want to be eating some carne guisada and big red all the time. And uh, man, I've been pounding some big reds lately, y'all, and it's, uh, it's catching up to me. i got to stop. Uh, last thing, real quick, real quick. Uh, child dedications, we don't have that on the announcement package, but we will next week. Uh, child dedications will be happening the weekend of Labor Day. So if you want to uh, dedicate your kids, um, this is what we do in lieu of like a, a, a baptism for children, like babies and whatnot. Um, and we, we would love to do that with you. We'll have photographers here for you. It'll be a reception afterwards, and it's always a great time, and we would love it. If you, were, if you want more information, info at lifepointsa.com or Roxy, R-O-X-Y, that's our children's pastor, at lifepointsa.com, and she'll hook you up with all the information you need to know. So we are starting a brand new series today, and we're starting this series strategically because we're entering into the fall, what we call the fall season for us as a church, and in the fall season is where our church grows the most every year, has been every single year, uh, August and September in particular, and October as well, and then last year we grew by 22% in the month of November alone because we do this thing called At the Movies, and people apparently liked it a lot, and they came out in droves, and uh, so we want to just cover it with prayer, and, and we also just want to kind of make sure as a church we kind of remember what we do and why we do it. And what we believe as a church is that God has uh, something for every single one of us, that he wants to take every single one of us on a clearly defined 
spiritual journey, that, that, that there's a pathway that, that from the Old Testament to the New Testament that's kind of clear all throughout. And we describe it in four phrases, and really those four phrases are four steps. And number one, and we think it's the greatest, greatest need of all humanity, is that people would just come to know God. That's the phrase, know God. Uh, and, and what we want is that people do not know God intellectually just on, only, but that they would know him vibrantly and personally and intimately, that God wants to have a relationship with you. And, and what we see is that happens most often uh, right here inside this building. When people first come to know God, it happens oftentimes in this building. And our church is kind of geared around that idea, that notion that people are going to find God here. It can happen anywhere, but we see that it happens most often here. The second phrase, the second sort of step on the journey is find freedom. And what I've learned just in my own life is that all of us, myself included, we pick up baggage along life's journey, man. People hurt us. People do bad things to us. We do bad things. We make mistakes along the way. And all along the way, we're just carrying bags. And, and God's plan is not for us to carry that away. He wants us to find freedom. And the best way we see that happen is in life groups. And that's why we just plugged life groups. And that's why right now we're looking for life group leaders. And um, we always have a great group uh, in the fall as well. And in particular, we have gr groups called Freedom Groups. And they're designed specifically around that idea that people have hurts and habits and hang-ups, and we all need freedom from them. I've been through them. They've changed my life, and uh, they'll change yours. And then thirdly, we just think that once you've experienced that freedom, that, that the journey gets clearer, man, that the, 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 the way forward gets clearer. And, and, and once you've done gotten, taken care of your yesterdays, you can actually see what you're supposed to be doing with your life. And so we call the third step, Discover Purpose. And, and we do this thing called Growth Track, and we did it last week, and there was 23 brand new folks there at Growth Track, so it was awesome. Uh, getting on our team, plugging in. And, uh, and, and so once you discover your purpose, why you're on the planet, then we can do what we think is the ultimate thing, and that is to make a difference. And this is a Make a Difference series uh, for sure. And the idea is that Life is really not all about me, and your life is not really all about you. And I know it feels like it needs to be sometimes throughout life because of the things that you're going through, and we get that, and we talk about that a lot throughout the year. But at some point, we have to get to the place where we can kind of get over ourselves, flip it around, and realize that the real reason that we're on this planet, one of the big reasons that we're on this planet, is to make a difference in the lives of, of other people, to live our lives in such a way that, that it, that it, that's changing the lives of other people. And, 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 and so that's what we want to talk about today. So I want to take you, if you have your Bibles, and if not, we'll have it on the screen as well. I want you to take, uh, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 is one of the great teachings, I think, in all the, bar, the Bible. And it's a teaching that Jesus is giving his disciples uh, at the end of his life. These are 12 guys and some other people who were hanging around, uh, following him. Um, and he's wanting to tell them before, because this is just a few days before he's going to be crucified. He's wanting to tell them, hey, this is what matters most. This is what I want you to, to leave you with. This is what's going to take you on after I'm gone. And this is a teaching about what matters most uh, to Jesus. And so he's doing this teaching on being connected to the vine. He's probably in a garden or a space where there are vineyards present. Um, and he's like, hey, guys, see this vine right here and see these branches right here? If you take the branch away from the vine, it won't produce fruit. It won't, it'll dry up and wither. And he's doing that as an analogy. And then in verse 8, and here's where I want to go, he says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. This is the whole point of the teaching. 
And when he says bear fruit, he's talking about making a difference. That's it. He's talking about making a difference. He says, as a matter of fact, this is how you're going to show yourself to be my disciples, that your life is making a difference. And then verse 11, skipping down, he says, and I've told you this so that my joy, notice that, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So, so number one, in verse 8, he says that God gets fired up, that God gets pumped up, that God gets glory whenever your life and my life bears fruit, whenever we're making a difference. And he goes on and says, and matter of fact, that's what proves that you're a follower of Jesus. Not just that you show up on a Sunday for a few minutes and go through the thing and do churchy things. Those are good things. Prayer, you know, worship, all that's good. He says, but, 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 but what's going to prove to the world that you're the followers of Jesus is, he says in John 13, your love for each other and that what you do inside and outside the wall in service to others that's what makes the difference. That's what he's saying here. And then he says, I've told you this, that my joy may be in you. And may, what many of us have not yet realized, but some of us have discovered, is that when you live your life in such a way where it makes a difference in other people, that God has created us, he's put it down all the way, you know, sort of at the granular level in our DNA, that when we, that when we start to do things for other people, it, it triggers something, it triggers uh, joy inside of our hearts so that when, that when you serve other people with your gifts or your talents or your skills or your, or your money or whatever, when you are generous with the blessings that God has put in your life, joy gets activated inside your life. As a matter of fact, when we go on mission trips, I, I have noticed every single time that people on the trip will say, because we go down there to serve and to help and to resource and to do what we can to, to move the gospel forward, but I've noticed that they'll say, man, I feel like these people have done more for me than I've done for them. And why is that? Because joy gets triggered when you are selfless, when you serve other people. You know what, you know what gets triggered when you're selfish? More selfishness and more kind of uh and kind of yuck. And, and we keep thinking, man, I, I, I keep buying all this stuff and none of it's giving me any satisfaction, right? Because that's not what triggers satisfaction and joy. It's serving other people, Jesus says. Real joy comes in whenever you're living your life in such a way that it's a blessing and it makes a difference to other people. So psychologists call this transcendent living, right? Transcendent living, that, that I'm living my life w w with my time on earth. I'm living my life in such a way that I'm partnering with God. I'm partnering with people in such a way that what I do outlasts how long I live. Does that make sense? And, and there's a guy named Abraham Maslow, a psychologist, a researcher, who years ago, he created this thing called the hierarchy of needs. And, and he used to say that the number one need of people was self-actualization. Like we realize, oh, okay, here's who I am. But he came back later, and it's not often publicized, but he, he came back later and says, no, no, there's an actually one higher than that, and it's, it's transcendence. It's this idea, this, this awakening within myself that it's not about me. It's about what, what I do to make life better for other people. And he says, that is the number one need of humanity, of all human beings. And that's what Jesus is saying right here in John 15. And whenever people do this, now here I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it on now, ready? I'm not going to flip a switch, but I'm just going to say we're going to get after it now. Whenever people do this, whenever churches think this way, it's not about me, it's not just about us four and no more, right? Whenever that happens, God takes notice of that. God gets 
glory out of that, and God gets involved with that. And what he does is he begins to bless individuals, and he begins to bless churches who are focused on making a difference for people beyond themselves. The, the way God sees it is that when we are on mission, we're on his mission. If we keep the main thing, the main thing, he says, I'm going to bless you. And I'm not just going to bless you for you. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. All the way back in Genesis with the, fa- the father of our faith, Abraham, right? You guys, if you're Bible per- people, you know Abraham, right? Um, Abraham is told, Abraham from God himself, Abraham, I'm going I'm to bless you. I'm going to make your name great through you. He says, through you, all the people on earth are going to be blessed. And you're like, well, that's cool because that was like thousands of years ago. What does that have to do with me? Well, Jesus comes back and the gospel writers come back and Paul comes back and says, and the same blessings that God gave Abraham, that blessing of, of blessing to be a blessing, he's given it to the people of God. That's what he's done. It's not an Old Testament thing. It's a New Testament thing. Wherever people say, hey, I want to bless other people, God says, I'm I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. And, and And the way he does that is he gives you more than enough personally. Like, like he gives you skills that are more than enough for you to make a living, but to, to, to bless other people with your skills, with your talents, with your ability, with your availability, right? With your resources, whatever they, those might be. And you and I are supposed to take that more than enough and go, huh, what's it there for? What's this more than enough for me? And in our culture, in our world, we say, oh, the, the, the more than enough, oh, that's for me and mine, so I can buy new stuff and I can get a better thing and I can get a new thing and I can do this and I can, you know, have this hobby instead. Um, and he's gone, no, 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 you're more than enough is not for you. You're more than enough is for you to be a blessing, to be a conduit. Blessing comes down, blessings go out. You see how that works? And if they only come down and they don't go out, then it becomes a whole other thing. So Jesus is trying to teach this to his followers in John 15. Later on, after Jesus has done this teaching after he's gone away. Paul, the apostle, one of the great one of the great biblical writers, he comes along and he writes letters to people to churches that he'd established. But sometimes he'd write them to individual people. And in one of those situations where he writes it to an individual person, he's writing it to a guy named Timothy, who is a young pastor of a church, and he's writing him a letter saying, "Here's how you should pastor. Here's how you should lead." And he says this. He says, Timothy. When you have the opportunity to talk to rich or blessed people, here's what I want you to say to them. Now, when we would read this text, most of us would say, he's talking to other people because I'm not rich, never have been. I know rich people. I'm not one of them. You, You know, you can't see rich in the mirror. You don't usually feel rich. You'd like to, but you just don't. But 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 here's what he says. Look at this, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world. Not to be arrogant because they're rich, nor to put their hope in wealth. He said, it's super uncertain, right? All we got to do is go back to 2008, 2007, 2008 to know that's true. Come on, everybody. Like some of our 401ks went poof, and then they were like evaporated, right? Some of the housing, like people lost their homes because wealth is uncertain. You can have it today and it can be gone tomorrow. He says, instead of doing that, put your hope in God who, look at this, this, who richly provides us with 
everything for our enjoyment. And the way I like to say it here, and the way we say it around here, is we don't put our trust in riches. We put our trust in the one who richly provides. Amen, somebody? Now, he goes on in verse 18. Timothy, I want you to command your people, the people in your church, he says, to, to do good and to be rich in what? In good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. He says, in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation in the coming age. So he's saying, hey, listen, when you're rich in good deeds, when you're generous, when you're sharing what you have uh, in terms of your time, your talent, your skill, your service, your availability, your money, whatever it is, he says, you're actually laying up treasures in heaven. That's what he's saying. And he says, do, 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 do good, be rich, do good deeds, be generous. He says, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Meaning, people get all this stuff, they work so hard to get all of this stuff and to, to own all these things, to, to make all of this, this you know, to, to acquire all of this uh, sort of satisfaction. And at the end of it, they write songs that says, I can't get no, come on somebody, satisfaction. And, or you too, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Anybody? You too? Stones? Come on. So anyway, anyways, I'm old. I'm old. I'm going back to the bands from the back, back in the day because they actually wrote songs that mattered. Oh, I'm sorry to the young people. Sorry to the young people. Sorry. You can start to tell that you're getting old when you make fun of the young people's music. Come on, y'all. Know what I'm saying? I'm old. All right. But he says, listen, if you really want to know what life is about, if you really want to take hold of real life, he says, do this stuff here. Timothy, this is why I want you to command them because everybody's going to be on a journey. Everybody's going to be trying to find what they're missing from their life. And they're going to think it's, it's this over here. They're going to think it's this thing over here. But at the end of it all, this is how you get real life. This is how you take hold of not only life here, but life coming in the coming ages. Right? You know, he says, be, be, be rich, be generous, and share. Now, again, we don't feel rich. The last time I felt rich was in the summer of 1986. I was about 14 years old, and I had been mowing lawns all summer long so that I could buy a Miami Vice skateboard. Now, I don't know why that skateboard got my, my, my attention, but I was like, I'm mowing lawns. I don't care if it's 1,000 degrees like it has been every day. Oh, come on. Could somebody pray against the heat? My prayers aren't working. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I remember... I remember when I had 80 bucks, it was like 70-something dollars plus tax, and I had figured out the tax because most kids don't understand tax yet. Y'all, parents, are you with me on this? They're like, I have $70. Yeah, that's how much it costs plus tax. And then they're expecting you to pay the tax, and you're like, I'm not paying your tax. I already pay everybody's taxes in the whole world. Anyways, so I rolled up with that fat wad of $80 at the Kmart on 90 and Military Drive. Y'all don't know about this place, but it used to be, that was my hood back in the day. And we, matter of fact, it was so much my hood back in the day, my parents didn't let us have televisions growing up. So my brothers and I would go ride our bikes over to that little Kmart. It's not even there. It's like a flea market or something now, or an event center. I don't even remember what it is now. But we would roll up in there, and they had TVs that they were selling. And we didn't have TVs, so we would get an Icy, and we would get a box of Whoppers. Remember those big old box of Whoppers, y'all? It was like a jug of milk, but it was just Whoppers. <laughs> And we would just sit on the floor and watch Saturday cartoons, man. <laughs> just tossing them back. 
Well, one of those times I saw this, this skateboard and I was like, I got to have it. And that was the last time I felt rich. I took way too long telling that story. That's all I was telling you. I was trying to, that's the last time I felt rich. <laughs> 87 minutes later, right? No wonder I ran out of time in the first service. Anyways, <laughs> we want to feel rich, uh, but we don't. But the fact is that statistically we actually are, right? If, if your household income is over $50,000 a year, then you're in the top 4% of the world's richest people. I don't matter. I don't care. I still feel poor right now, right? I, I thought some of y'all would be like, yeah, we're rich, babe. You know, but you didn't. N- none of you did that because you're thinking, I still don't feel rich. If you have a car, you're amongst the top 3 to 5% of people in the world, right? Who, if you own a vehicle and you're like, have you seen my car? Yeah, but have you seen everybody else's lack of car? Anyways, um, like, like we're all so rich that we have so many clothes that when we walk in there, we get overwhelmed by them and we go, I have nothing to wear. <laughs> like, like you're, we're so rich that our clothes have their own rooms, y'all. Come on, somebody. <laughs> like other people in other countries, they have one room house. Our clothes have a room. All right, I'm going to leave you alone because you're like, I, don't, I still don't feel rich, bro. You can just keep going. Now, now listen, here's the thing. We're, we're rich, and you can be rich in far more ways than money. Can I get a witness, somebody, right? And that's really where I'm going with this today. As a matter of fact, look what Paul says in another place, 2 Corinthians. He says, you're going to be enriched by God. You're going to be enriched in every way, right? Why? So that you can be generous on every occasion. Through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. We're made rich in all sorts of ways to make a difference. And that's, where, that's all I'm trying to say. And by rich... What I mean is that we we tend to have a little more than we actually need in terms of whatever it is that God makes us rich with. Talent, skills, opportunity, time, availability, service, whatever, knowledge, money, whatever. Um, And and he he asks you, what are you going to do with that more than enough? For, for, For example, last weekend... We had a prayer gathering at our new location, which is going up so fast right now. I'm, I'm, I'm blown away by what happens from week to week. Uh, and, and we're moving in there, God willing, November, y'all. November, November, y'all. And, and so anyways, we're, while we were praying there, we had several guys from LifePoint who are super skilled in, in many ways, but they were generous with their time and with their skills. And they built a fence at a local pizza parlor on the near east side where one of our partners, S.A. Hills, is about to start a church. And this is a picture of that, right? Don't you wish that they would come to your house and build a fence? Because that fence is awesome. Look at that thing. I'm, I'm, can we hire them, Right. So, so Dr. Bill English, uh, Lee Durr, and Daniel Villarreal, who all went on our Costa Rica mission trips as well, they went over there, and, they're, and we're, we're going to be doing other things here. But I want to tell you why this little fence here is important, because that back porch right there is about to become, in a week or so, the place where the gospel is going to go forth to that little neighborhood right there. And listen, I don't know what you think about the gospel, but when I think about what matters most, that's it. And I'm going to argue that anytime you use your more than enough, whatever it is, in generosity to get the gospel out, that'll be one of the biggest things that you do in your life. So, so we just took teams to Costa Rica, and one of the things that we did was we helped build churches in Paraiso and Tilaran. And, 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 and we didn't publicly preach at any point in the game, but I would argue that we were not there to be the heroes, but we were there to help the real heroes, the guys who are on the ground serving the people, to, to help them move further, faster. And, and so that's what we're doing is out there trying to get the gospel out. So why should all of this matter to us? 
Why should all of this matter to us? Why does this matter to my individual life, Danny? Number one, because God is not willing that anybody should be lost. That's why it should matter. God, God is not willing that a single man or a woman, a, a child or anybody else should go to an eternal destiny apart from him. That God wants to redeem every person that he ever created. That's the mission. Do whatever it takes short of sin to reach people who are far away from God. Because lost people matter to God. They should matter to us as well, somebody. And we got to do everything we can to create opportunities to share the good news of Jesus with more people because the Great Commission, which Jesus gave to his followers, demands it. And here's what the Bible says about God's heart towards pe- uh, people. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, he says, For God is not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In other words, God loves lost people so much. He loves lost people, uh, saved people as well, but his focus is on his lost sons and daughters. As as you would be if if you were a parent and you lost a child. You you can't say, "Well, I got four kids, but one of them ran away from home, so thank God I got the three that are still home." Come on, parents, put yourself in God's shoe for a minute. Like, are you worried about the ones that are in the house, or is your focus completely on the one that's at risk and in danger? I got a friend right now, a guy that I know, a pastor. His, his 18-year-old daughter is gone. He doesn't know where he's at. And every day on Facebook this week, please, y'all, share this. Please help me find my baby girl. He's got other kids, but right now, you know what his focus is on? Is the one that's run away from home. This is how God thinks. Hey, saved kids of mine, would you help me go find my lost sons and daughters? Jesus loves us. God loves us so much that he said in in John 3, 16, that he gave his only son, that he sacrificed his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is why it matters. That we get this right. Number two, we, we, this, this matters because we all have a mission. And Jesus gave us this mission in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And, and by the way, let me just tell you this. If you feel underempowered in life and like, man, life has always beaten me up. You need to ask God to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to drop the mic and walk away from that, all right? It happened then. It still happens now. And he says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. For us, that would be San Antonio. And in all Judea, that'd be Texas. And in Samaria, that'd be every other place besides the, the cool state of Texas. And then he says, and to the ends of the earth, right? Your mission, he says, is to go and make a difference. That's the mission. And here we are 2,000 years or so later, and there are people who've gone out from this church to places like Costa Rica and Haiti, and soon we'll be adding the Philippines to the mix as well. We've been doing this for years now, since year one of our church's existence 11 years ago. Spirit-led, spirit-empowered people going out and being and making a difference with the gospel to the ends of the earth. And we're going to keep going until we're not a church anymore, somebody. Amen? And not only to the ends of the earth, but he says you start in your own city, right? That's what he said. And so just a f- few weeks ago, many of you went out all across the city, over 100 of you, to, to, to serve our partners, Agora and SA Heels and Salvation Army and Urban Faith and, and, and Daily Bread. And, and, and in the spring, 
You guys helped us raise, with a couple of other partners, a, a half million pounds of food for the San Antonio Food Bank, right? That, you guys did that. This is the mission. Uh, we, we got backpacks going on out in the, in the foyer. November, we'll have fill a box so we can get food out to, to families who don't have. And, and so far this year, I was just, we just had a trustee meeting last week, and I, I give reports to our trustees about what's going on. So far this year, we've given away over $63,000 to our missions partners, and it's just August. It's just August. This, this is our mission. This is, what we, this is what we do. And there's data that says in our city, there are 1.7 million people who are headed for a Christless eternity right now. Right now. Th that's the mission. Get the gospel out. Get the word out. Serve people. Do good. Be rich in good deeds. This is what keeps me awake at night. That there's people in my neighborhood, there's people that I see at the coffee shop that are headed for a Christless eternity, and God's got his sleeves rolled up, and he's going, hey, who's going to partner with me to get something, to make this right? Who's going to help me to, to, to bring justice to all of the situations that have injustice going on in our own culture, in our own city? This is why this matters. This is why it matters that we build that building down the street, down the road. It's not about the building. It's about what the building will help us do. It's, it's about what the, 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 the building will help us uh, see possible and change in people's lives. And, 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 and even more, it's about what's going to happen from that building. The people who are going to go out of that building empowered and strengthened and encouraged to make a difference. It's about creating a space where people can be welcomed into the family of God. Amen, somebody. Can I just say something real quick? We found out the other day, and there's no hook in this, okay? This is just, a, let me just throw it to you. In our trustee meeting, we were going through the budgets, and we found out um, some, somehow our, our contractor forgot to tell us that there was a bunch of stuff in, in our budget. Uh, maybe he didn't forget. Maybe he just assumed we read, actually read it. Come on, y'all. So, like... <laughs> I don't always read everything. You know, like, oh, that's good. Let's just sign that. Um, anyways, um, but we found out that there was some stuff that are, that's not included in the budget. And so we we're like, well, what are we going to do about all this? There's like 200 and something thousand dollars of the stuff. We don't have to have all of it. But one of the things that we noticed, first of all, was there's no chairs in the budget, right? Like, if you're going to welcome people home. You're like, hey, welcome in. And y'all stand around, okay, right? Like, normally you say, have a seat, right? So we we're like, what if we just told the church, hey, church, we, we missed that. We, 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 we didn't get the chairs. We, we, we're we're going to buy them no matter what happens. If i got to sell my car, we're going to buy chairs. We're like, let's just tell the church and see if they wouldn't mind sponsoring a, a ch chair. Not for themselves, but, but for the people that they're going to invite. Hey, I'm saving a seat for you. And oh, by the way, I bought that seat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like you, can put, you give money around here, and we do all kinds of stuff, but you don't know where your $5 went or your $100 or your $10,000. i am just saying it by faith. Anyways... But, but I was thinking, how satisfying is it, because my family's going to do this, like to, to, to actually, buy, no, I bought four chairs right here, and I'm not, my family's not going to sit here. We're going to invite people and fill those chairs up. And so we just, as you're walking out today, there's no pressure at all, zero pressure. But if you want to do that, we got to, do we have a thing or no? No, we don't have a thing. All right, we'll get a thing. Then, oh, yeah, we, yeah, we do. So one chair is $44.71. Just throwing it out there. Did you think it was going to be more or less, right? I thought it was going to be more. Anyways, family of four, side row. We got side rows. Uh, we got center rows. But we got to buy 475 chairs. And maybe you're saying, you know what? I, uh, I want to I I get involved in that. Get involved in it. Zero pressure. You can do it on the kiosk. You can write a check, put sponsor chair, whatever you want to do. I'm dropping that and moving on as you're leaving. If you want one of these so you can get more information, it's also on our website. Listen, 
all of this that I've said, forget the chair thing for a second, all of this that I've said, it's not just a corporate calling so that I can say, hey, in general, as a church, we should go. No, no, it's an individual calling. All throughout the Gospels, matter of fact, eight times in the Gospels, Jesus says, hey, you got to love your neighbor as much as you do yourself. He said it so often that it became known as part of the great commandment. When he was asked, what's the most important things, what matters most, do you know what he said? Number one, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, you know the rest of the Bible, all of it, all of it, it's hanging off of that ledge. Love God, love people, all of it. And so Jesus' followers heard him say this. They knew this. For years they had heard him say this. So when Jesus gets crucified, his disciples were crushed. And then when he got resurrected, they were like, whoa, what else can he do? Right? They can't kill him. They can't hold him down. You know, I don't, I don't know if they said it like that. I would have, right? Like, look at that. What's he going to do now? How's he going to rock the world? How's he going to change the world? And he gathers them around, you know, at the end. And he's like, all right, guys, here's the game plan. I'm leaving. <laughs> Say what? What you talking about, Willis? Y'all remember that one? What you talking about, Willis? Yeah, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm taking off, all right? I, I'm not, I'm gonna, I'm not going to leave you by yourselves. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to empower you. But listen, that whole kingdom thing that we've been talking about, that whole change the world, turn the world upside down, that's you. And they're like, who else is going to come to this party? Right? And he's like, no, no, no. And, and, and they're thinking, wait a minute. God, you just rose from the dead. You have all power. And you, you're amazing. And, 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 and this is what you got to say. Imagine their response to that. And here's how he actually said it in Matthew 28, 19. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, in light of that, you go and make disciples of all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, listen, I'm not leaving you. I'll be with you always, even to the very end of the age. Now, he says, teach them what I've taught you. And what did he teach them? What was the number one thing he taught them? Taught them? Love God be rich in good deeds. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all of it's built on a single strategy. Hey, y'all, it's about you now. I'm going to pass the baton off to you, and you're going to run with it. And listen, it seemed like the hopeless thing. Us 12 dudes and some other folk, we're going to go change the world. And here we are almost 2,000 years later, and there are billions of Christians on the planet right now. You're here because it worked. It worked. They were like, all right, let's go do it, y'all. Come on. And they got crucified, and they got hung upside down, and they got boiled in oil, and it was crazy. And all we're saying to you is go invite somebody to church, right? Go do a good thing for somebody else, like in your neighborhood. You can't outsource this, y'all. You're being sent by Jesus. Take a walk around your neighborhood and say, God, what do you want to use me in this neighborhood? Listen, you're called to your own hood. Get a life group in the hood. Bake some stuff in the hood and give it away. Mow somebody's grass. Do something. Pray regularly for your neighborhood. Every neighborhood that's represented in this room today, and the, and the other services to come are, 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 are filled with people who are spirit-empowered, spirit-led, and you can pray powerful prayers over your own neighborhood. Somebody, amen? Call out your neighborhood real quick. Just yell it out. Yell it out. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Ready? In the name of Jesus, go make a difference in your neighborhood. You're a missionary to your own hood. 
Band's coming up. I got to finish. I'm over again. I cut a lot of stuff out, and I'm still over. Here we go. Where do we learn this from? Jesus himself. Peter, Peter the Apostle Peter, is preaching in chapter 10 of the book of Acts. He's talking to a group of people. And in the middle of his sermon, he says, hey, listen, I want to remind you how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Which, by the way, Jesus said in Acts 1 and 8, you are going to be the same way, right? And then I want to remind you how he went around. And what did he do? He went around doing good and healing all of those who were under the power of the, of the devil because God was with him. So the mission for Jesus was to go everywhere he went and do good and heal people that were under the influence, under the pain, under the struggle of the evil one. What one biblical scholar says of this verse, this is the most incredible summation of the ministry of Jesus, that wherever people were hurting, wherever people were broken, wherever there was injustice, Jesus would go there and make a difference in their lives. That's what he did. So what's my purpose? What's our mission as a church? Do what he did. Do what he did. Because he said to us before he left, greater things, greater works than I did, you're going to do. You're going to do it. Collectively, you're going to do this thing. Wherever there are broken people, wherever there are hurting people, wherever there are lost people, we're supposed to go. Last little bit. Last little bit. Luke 8. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to the next, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him. His 12 followers were with him. And also, <laughs> I never really noticed this before, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. We sing this song, and they're going to sing it in a minute. Jesus, you change everything. That wherever Jesus would show up, people would be changed. Wherever the gospel was preached, people would be set free of fear and worry and disease and, 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 and the evil spirit. So we already knew that the 12 are with him. We already knew that if you're a Bible person. But in addition, some women went on the missionary journey with, with, with him. And who were these women? Well, Mary, called Magdalene, was there. Why was she there? She had seven demons come out of her because of what Jesus did in her life. Can you imagine the horror, the pain, the shame, the, the, the terror of having to deal with that? And the moment that Jesus walks into her life, she's freed from that. And she says, in response to what you've done for me, Jesus, I'm going on tour with you. I'm going on, whatever you go, I'm going. Whatever you call me to do, I'm going to do that too. And, oh, and then there was a lady named um, Joanna, the wife of Chusa who was the manager of Herod's household. Herod was the king, right? So Mary doesn't have much. Jesus says, I can heal you. Joanna is loaded, right? She's actually, she's rich for real, not just in good stuff, but in, for real. And, 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 and she's the wife of the guy who's in charge of the king. He's the executive director of the kingdom. And she's like, Jesus, you came by our place one time and you changed my life. You healed me of, of whatever, he, whatever he said, that, that of, of evil spirits and, and they'd been cured of diseases. And she's like, hey, I'm all in. Whatever, whenever, however, I'm going. I'm rich in, I want to be rich in good deeds. I want to make a difference. I want to get the gospel out. But it doesn't end there. He says, and these women were helping to support them, this, this gospel train, out of their own means. What? Jesus is going from town to town getting the gospel out. And, and listen, Jesus is God. You guys understand that, right? And, and if there's ever been anybody who could have who financed his own 
his own tour. Come on, y'all. You ever want to go out on tour before, like, a, like the cool like rock star or whatever? These are, they're, they're not rock stars. They're going out on tour making a difference, right? If there's everybody who could have snapped his finger and said, hey, money fall down from the sky so we can pay for the tour, it's Jesus. He owns it all, right? That's what the Bible says. But Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, he wants others to participate with the moving of the gospel. Why? So, so that they could share in the knowing that what I'm part of is bigger than, than me by myself, right? That what, I'm, what I can do with, when, when I add myself to these other people can change the world. He let other people be part of it so that they could make a difference, so that they could bear much fruit. He took all kinds of people, rich people and poor people and people who had been sick and diseased. He took somebody named Susanna, and that's all they gave us was Susanna, right? We don't know anything about Susanna, but Susanna was on the tour as well, right? And many other people, it said. Listen, their generosity kept the gospel news moving. It was out of their more than enough, both in terms of their finances and in all these other ways. They got on the team. They got on the dream team, and they said, hey, we're all in. Let's go all in together and make a difference. And that's what God's calling us to do as well. Band's going to sing, but I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, you change everything. God, and Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12 that in view of your mercy, in view of what you've done for me, he says the only reasonable response is for me to say all of me to all of you, God. Whatever it is that you, you call me to do, whatever it is that you want from me, whatever it is that you need for me to do, I'm all in, God. I'll go where you say go. I'll do what you say do. I'll live the way you call me to live. Jesus, you change everything. Lord, as a church, as a church, as we get ready to move into this fall season, God, I'm asking you to prepare our hearts for what's coming. But I'm not asking you to prepare our hearts. I'm asking you to prepare our, 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 our bodies and our hands and our feet to activate, to get plugged in on a team here or to get involved out in the community somewhere. But wherever the gospel is being preached, may we be part of that. And maybe we be generous in our time and our talent and our availability and our treasure and whatever else you call us to do. Would we take our more than enough and use it to make the gospel move forward? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.